brought to you by RunToGold.com, the premier source for monetary science applied to geopolitical, international, and economic financial news and events. Welcome back to the ninth installment of the RunToGold.com podcast. This time we will be discussing the esoteric term quantitative easing. Ben Bernanke, the Federal Reserve Chairman, warned the investment community of what he would do in November 21, 2001, with an address before the National Economics Club in Washington, D.C. He said that he would be dropping dollars from helicopters, which earned him the moniker Helicopter Ben. For decades, perhaps even centuries, the world has been in an inflationary credit expansion. The zenith was reached, and now the world is in a deflationary credit contraction, or a condratif winter, as some like to call it. Holders of capital are seeking the safest and most liquid assets. The central bank officials and politicians are attempting to prevent this natural and probable consequence of economic law. They may as well attempt to repeal the law of gravity. Short of marching everyone off to the gulag, which they may try, they will fail. Bernanke's address was titled, Deflation, Making Sure It Doesn't Happen Here. He argues there are two bulwarks against deflation in the United States. First, the resilience and structural stability of the U.S. economic system. And second, the Federal Reserve System. I think he's intent on destroying both. First, as we are seeing with the increasing nationalization of industries through bailouts, the resiliency and structural stability of the U.S. economic system is being increasingly undermined. Voluntary price discovery is being replaced with the coercive force of government. This will only lead to less efficient markets and allocations of capital. The U.S. economic system, and therefore its earning and productive power, is quickly evaporating. This loss of earning and productive power negatively affects the quality of its currency. Second is the parasitical Federal Reserve System. The Federal Reserve System's interference in the market regarding the supply and cost of money grossly distorts the pricing mechanism as individuals engage in human action to discover price through value and utility calculations. I discussed this on on Al Corwin's economics report back in June, where I talked about how under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 5, Congress has given the authority to coin money, but that really only is limited to the actual stamping of the coins, whereas they're also able to regulate the value thereof so they can define a dollar as 371.25 grains of silver, but they have no authority to establish a central bank or to interfere with the interest rates. Also, under Article 1, Section 10, Clause 1 of the U.S. Constitution, no state shall emit bills of credit or make anything but gold or silver coin a tender in payment of debt. Well, that means even a Federal Reserve note issued by the federal government can't be made legal tender by the states. But there's no real regard for the Constitution these days. So, of course, we had these unfortunate economic consequences that the founders learned with the collapse of the continental dollar, and we're going to relearn. So next we turn to Bernanke's toolbox. The first problem with Bernanke is his poor use of words. Like most babbling idiots or perhaps it is done intentionally to confound and confuse, his language is vague and indecisive. For example, he defines deflation as a general decline in prices. 
The Austrian School of Economics defines deflation as a decrease in the money supply. In application, Bernanke, Bernanke's definition confuses effects, declines in prices, with the cause, a decrease in the money supply. Deflation is no more a decline in prices than wet streets or rain. Quantitative easing is a tool of monetary policy. The effect is an increase in the quantity of currency without regard to maintaining its quality. Quantitative is relating to measuring or measured by the quantity of something rather than its quality. Not all dollars are defined equally. Even traditional economists and government reports index in terms of 1986 dollars or 1977 dollars to account for the differences in quality of the currency or its purchasing power. Because there is no definition of the dollar, it is subject to payment risk. And the Federal Reserve note is just an illusion. A commodity currency, such as gold, is not subject to this risk. For example, one ounce of gold in 1986 is equal to one ounce of gold in 1977, or 577 for that matter. This really isn't very complicated. The quality of the money is consistent and comparable. The names of the national currencies arose to define a particular type and weight of metal of a given purity. For example, a dollar was 371.25 grains of .999 fine silver. This allows for consistent and comparable measuring sticks and performing mental calculations of value and how to allocate capital. However, now the term dollar has no definition. The quality of the money is called into question in direct proportion to its quantity. The inconsistent quality of currency undermines the confidence in it. As the adjusted monetary base erupts, the, the distrust of the currency increases. The alphabet soup lending facilities like the TAF, TAUF, and other bailouts by the various governments throughout the world could be considered quantitative easing. In effect, the current policy is transmogrifying commercial debt risk, which the world does not want to buy, into sovereign debt, debt risk, which the world does want to buy. But eventually there will be a satiation of this appetite for sovereign debt risk and then currency collapses will happen. For example, the Bank of Japan practiced quantitative easing by maintaining short-term interest rates at close to their minimum attainable zero values and flooding commercial banks with excess liquidity. Bernanke suggests, one, keeping a buffer zone of interest rates from zero percent, two, ensure financial stability, and three, cut rates to stimulate the economy when the economy deteriorates. Then he makes his famous helicopter speech. Bernanke said, What has this got to do with monetary policy? Like gold, U.S. dollars have value only to the extent that they are strictly limited in supply. But the U.S. government has a technology, called a printing press, or today its electronic equivalent, that allows it to produce as many U.S. dollars as it wishes at essentially no cost. By increasing the number of dollars in circulation, or even by credibly threatening to do so, the U.S. government can also reduce the value of a dollar in terms of goods and services, which is equivalent to raising the prices in dollars of those goods and services. We conclude that, under a paper money system, a determined government can always generate higher spending 
and hence positive inflation. Of course, the U.S. government is not going to print money and distribute it willy-nilly. End of quote. Well, they have been printing money and distributing it willy-nilly to all of their banker friends and other special interests through these bailouts. Nevertheless, it is true the currency will not be distributed willy-nilly, like being thrown out of a helicopter. Instead, it will be directed towards the favored factions like the Wall Street banks while retirement plans are looted. The problem is with the premise that there will be borrowers for the newly created liquidity. Japan ran into a problem with interest rates being at 0% but there being no borrowers. When negative real interest rates occur, the holders of capital seek the next level down in the liquidity pyramid, gold and silver. The deflationary credit contraction continues in spite of the monetary policy and quantitative easing the central bank officials and politicians engage in. For example, the gold yen price was about 35,000 yen for an ounce of gold. When the Bank of Japan started their quantitative easing and sold $35 trillion worth of yen, or 35 trillion yen, or 330 billion U.S. dollars worth, the price quickly rose to about 80,000 yen per ounce. Without an increase in the velocity of the yen currency, so you can have hyperinflation as a currency event without an increase in the velocity of money. This is because the capital moves straight from the treasury bills or the Federal Reserve notes into gold instead of going out through other, uh, through other velocities such as bonds or loans or other types of spending that's asked for by different uh, debtors. These are good reasons to have a portion of your wealth in the precious monetary metals of gold and silver. For large amounts, I like gold money because they have allocated storage and are very transparent. You know the quantity and the quality of your money. And it can also function as a currency in ordinary daily transactions. As the velocity of gold increases in these ordinary daily transactions, so will the value and the purchasing power of gold. If interest rates for currencies are going to 0%, and then the governments want to engage in quantitative easing, then why hold paper that is subject to counterparty and payment risk when you can just hold gold? At all times and in all circumstances, gold remains money. Gold is the ultimate insurance, is no one's liability, the ultimate store of value, and is always accepted. Gold is the penultimate of safe and liquid assets. Therefore, it makes sense to have at least some portion of your net worth in actual physical bullion that is allocated in your own name. Well, that concludes the ninth installment of the RunToGold.com podcast. It's been a little longer than usual, but I hope you found this esoteric subject of quantitative easing to be interesting. Thank you. You've been listening to the RunToGold.com podcast, the premier source for applied monetary science on the web.